Thank you, listener, for pressing play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your weekly dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lakes state of Michigan. How's it going? Robert Kerr here. Very pleased to be with you again. It's been an exhausting week, and I'm just happy to be here. Got involved in my first competitive league play for five years down at the Detroit City FC Fieldhouse, and uh, (laughs) most of the team is uh, some over 30s, and we're in the competitive league, and boy, some of you young players sure are good, so (laughs) definitely a challenge, a new challenge for me going on in this competitive league, but that's where I'm at, stiff legs, but uh, a proud heart. Hope everyone's doing well this week. We have uh, a lot to celebrate here in the Great Lakes State. Soccer-wise, it is in the thick of postseason action now for the college game. Uh, In the uh, national uh, tournaments, we got some competitive teams. It's Calvin College. They were on the show Uh, Head coach was on the show a couple weeks ago, and they won their first round game, but unfortunately went out in the second in the uh, Division III National Tournament. Grand Valley State University, a guest even a few weeks before that, they won their first round in the Division II National Championship Tournament, and uh, they play the second round in Bemidji, Minnesota. And they will be taking on fellow Michigan team, Ferris State Bulldogs. So lots going on there on the women's collegiate side. Um, Western Michigan University on the men's side, though, with a tremendous win of the MAC uh, conference. And so they will be the sole Division I men's representative at the NCAA men's soccer tournament so kudos to the western broncos yeah the western michigan broncos win of the mac tournament kind of in the midst of the news that the mac will be dissolving the boys soccer it won't be uh a mac boys season next year so in the midst of this great run uh it was announced um at the beginning of last week on the 11th that Western Michigan Broncos uh, men's soccer will be joining the Missouri Valley Conference. So an interesting turn of events. And from what I read earlier in the week, uh, Western has a pretty good record against teams in that division, but a very strong uh, conference for Western to be joining. But like I said, uh, check out the Michigan Soccer Central uh, YouTube or um, social media handles. There was a fun post uh, presenting WMU into the national stage once more. One of my favorite interviews on this program is with the head coach of the very same WMU Broncos, uh, highlighting a lot of our teams of the week. And after our feature interview, we'll hear more about this week's team of the week, as well as a Michigan-based pro going into a local Hall of Fame this week. 
But in this week's feature interview, it's something a little bit different, kind of easy breezy conversation with a soccer friend, uh, Chris Rosen. Uh, he, uh, uh, Rosen, I can't always say his last name wrong, but a real friend in soccer. Um, definitely uh, throughout this summer, he was a guy that was always enthusiastic to go to a game. And uh, even when uh, uh, I had no plans to coordinate with him, I, there was probably a sequence of four or five uh, social events, soccer-related, as well as games, as well as the um, soccer rebellion he was working out there. Um, so uh, uh, he also helped coordinate the music at the Oakland County FC uh, games this summer had the, a couple bands come out so just a connection within the soccer world here in the metro detroit area and we talk about uh, the world cup that is just a few days away now and it's kind of a, a departure from a lot of the subject interviews because it, we, it comes with such a mixed bag of emotions this world cup that's coming up and Wanted to have a fun conversation, but <laughs> as it kind of pans out, listener, you'll hear, uh, you know, the mixed emotions two soccer lovers have when they are looking forward to an event so much, but it's kind of such a, a complicated thing because of how much uh, baggage and uh, ethical concerns it has. So um, it's a fun conversation. Uh, take it as a lighthearted, but uh, kind of... Uh, conflicted in in emotion a little bit so myself and uh, chris rosen uh, are the feature interview here on the michigan soccer central podcast hello welcome back here michigan soccer central podcast coming up in just a few days the world cup 2022 is kicking off so i wanted to get uh, just a a friend through soccer on board to just chit chat or like the pinnacle uh, event of the sport that we love and Pinnacle World event that uh, uh, has a lot of different shades of it. But uh, I just wanted to have a conversation with uh, a local friend here about uh, the World Cup coming up and just uh, soccer about town as well. Uh, welcome, um, friend from soccer, Chris Rosen, or is it Chris Rosen? It's Rosen, but uh, but I'm open to either. All right, Chris, I know you um, first met you uh setting up some live music for Oakland County FC games. And then I think through the summer ran into you in like three different games and different uh, soccer events. Uh, so kind of got to know you this summer uh, through soccer, like I said. So the World Cup is coming up in just a few. Um, are you going to be watching the World Cup? And kind of what was like the moment, the, the, like what's your favorite World Cup up to this point? So, yes, I'll be watching the World Cup. I don't know what the times I have to work, so I don't know how I'm going to fit that in. I definitely uh, <laughs> it's been one of the few years where I've actually haven't seen any Champions League, and I, I'm embarrassed to say that. Well, um, didn't you say I, you spent some of your day watching some today? I, I, yeah, I get to watch a little bit, but the Champions League specifically, like that happens at Tuesdays and Wednesdays when I'm supposed to be working. Um, other jobs I've been able to blow off for an hour or two and just get back to um, you know, going to sell, but this job that I'm at currently, I just can't quite find that 20 30 minutes to uh 
to get enthralled, enriched in really the, the whole Champions League experience. So, but yeah, to go back to it, um, World Cup, I'm excited. I'm not excited about where it's at. I, I completely disagree with where it's at. I don't think it has any business being in the country of Qatar. Um, I believe it's uh, just a lot of shady, um, you know, behind the doors, uh, just just really a money grab. And and uh, I think I saw the cost today. I think it was in the two. 200 over 200 billion dollars to set this world cup up up in qatar and i think compared to brazil when they set up the brazil world cup i think it was only around um i don't know maybe one or two billion or a hundred billion like it was nowhere near but um yeah i'm excited about this world cup um and i'll tell you why um probably ronaldo's last world cup probably messi's last world cup that's something to be excited about right then and there the fact that it is in qatar and they paid for everything. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a final with Portugal, Argentina, and they paid for it, and the whole thing's rigged. Uh, that's a hot take. Um, so say that again. Uh, you, you you went off the rails there. What did he say about uh, <laughs> Portugal, Argentina? So I, in 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 typical fashion um, of FIFA and everything that can be paid for, um, uh, you know, can be paid for by, if you have enough money. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a a, a really deep run by Portugal and really deep run by by Argentina and 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 at some point we see Messi versus Ronaldo. That's a little bit that's a little bit conspiracy driven. That's a little bit crazy, but just the the sheer fact that it's in Qatar just it drives me nuts. So well, we'll get to uh, the complicated nature of it and the tournament itself here in a little bit. But I wanted to kind of uh, focus on why we're excited about yes. uh, the World yes. Cup in yeah. the first place. Is because as uh, soccer lovers, uh, the World Cup is the pinnacle of the sport, especially you referenced the Champions League. That's the pinnacle of the club. But internationally, what the world truly does watch is the World Cup. And for me, uh, World Cup 1994 uh, definitely like made me uh, a soccer fan for life. And there's a lot of different storylines like Cameroon doing well. Obviously, the USA is a great run. And then I remember the the dance, the uh, the Brazilian uh, baby Samba. dance, like that. That Samba. was uh, that was like one of like the first coordinated dances that like you know really stuck out to me. And then that World Cup '94 also had Maradona, uh, kind of like his last uh, moment in international spotlight, where he scored a banger in the first goal and then failed the drug test after the second goal. And <laughs> I was, but. Um, it's been uh, quite a, a road here to this latest edition, but uh, kind of what's the, the World Cup uh, that meant the most to you? Yeah, I don't know if it meant the most, but I'd say just the one that I always think about, and I think it's really when I my, my love of soccer really started, because um, I didn't really get, you know, be, being raised in America or Michigan, I didn't really get the whole concept of, of where U.S. was at in the World Cup or the world of, of soccer, and then where... Um, yeah, I just didn't grasp the whole, I mean, I think I knew it was every four years, but I just wasn't quite in tune with, with just how, how it all worked and it was laid out. But the one that really sticks out, I remember watching it on just like basic TV, you didn't have to have cable, didn't have to have a Paramount, didn't have to have any of the, uh, extra packages to watch as the world cup, uh, 2006, uh, France versus Italy. Um, France had everything, uh, they had Terry Henry, Zidane. They had everything in the tank to win the damn game. And um, 
apparently if you say something about someone's mother or whatever was said, I don't know if it was in Italian or French or maybe English, but apparently that's enough to make you headbutt somebody. And unfortunately that game took a, took a drastic turn. And, and that's a really memorable game because I think everybody, including some non-soccer fans, they've seen the headbutt before. And, and that's so, um, I mean, obviously Zidane was just a, just a heck of a player. Um, I, he might be one of the top five all time for sure. Um, just dribbling and scoring and just being influential in the game. But for that game, he was influential in the wrong way. And, and Italy ended up, uh, you know, coming, coming up for the win. And it was a good Italy squad, but I, I don't know. That headbutt was something else. That's, for me, that was, that was just, I'll never forget that. How about yourself? Yeah, that to my point of it's it's the one spectacle in world uh, events that like truly the whole world watches that Zidane headbutt was like the headbutt the whole world saw. I mean, that was so dramatic and for a lot of Americans and I mean, I didn't watch a whole uh lot of club ball at that era. That was like when I was in college and whatnot and uh we didn't watch quite as much there and so one of like the biggest standout memories of one of the world's most famous players is Dan was that, you know, chest shattering, uh, headbutt to the chest of the Italian player. And, uh, yeah, that definitely, I think we were watching it with a whole bunch of friends, like a whole, like 20 people watching that game. And I remember everyone just losing their minds, uh, about that one. Uh, my friend, uh, Saker's house. You remember who mom Saker? No, I don't know. Up in Troy, well, either way, we, there was a room full of twenty people, and there was it was just a gas at uh, that event. Um, and we'll get to some of the biggest uh, controversies in World Cup because there seems to be, whether on or off the field, uh, controversies at World Cups, like uh, in twenty ten when uh, the French team struck uh, went on strike, uh, and uh, one of the players was sent home, and then. A coaching staff member had to quit, and then the half a lot of players didn't want to play, and then so they had a terrible tournament. Or whether right. it be the Luis Suarez for Uruguay biting players, and there was that whole off the field drama there. And obviously, there's this, it seems like every tournament there's some sort of a cheating scandal where a team gets caught spying on another team and and that sort of thing. Uh, I was kind of curious, what kind of predictions do you want to make for this? 2022 uh as far as uh some unprecedented scandals within the tournament obviously there's just a litany when i was getting ready for this episode there's even another bribery scandal that came to light in the press like three days ago but like within the tournament itself do you have a prediction for uh something wild happening um as far as like scandals or anything like that i would just say it'd be interesting if uh if, if any of the Saudi, you know, the Saudi team or, or Qatar went on a little run, I, I don't see it. I don't think they're going to win any games. Um, but but talented and keeping it on the field, I really only believe that six teams have a chance to win the, the, the whole tournament. And I, I really think that the rest of the teams just don't even, even stand a chance. So, Well, we've gone about 10 minutes already, and we haven't talked about uh, the American team. It's been uh, eight long years since uh, we've been in World Cup. That was back in Brazil 2014. USA, of course, missed it in 2018 in Russia, where the home team, who was out of favor, did have somewhat of a miraculous run deep, deeper than they should have, the Russian team did. 
People, there was a speaking of controversies. A lot of people thought that the Russian team had a little bit more endurance than some other uh, humans at the tournament. But I digress. <laughs> the, the the USA team uh, they qualified with the youngest team out of all the teams by like two and a half years. Like the average age on the team is significantly younger than the others. So I'm guessing since neither of us mentioned them out the block, that uh, so do you watch and root? Uh, for the United States men's national team? So that's a loaded question. And I feel like a bad American saying it. But on this one, I am not a real American. Um, I started out huge American soccer fan. I think I thought Alexia Lalas was the best soccer player in the world. I've since changed my <laughs> mind on that. I don't even respect him as a commentator. I think he is piss poor. Um, but I know I had a U.S. soccer hoodie. I think it was Nike um, growing up. Big fan of U.S. soccer altogether. Um, also, the Detroit Rockers, shout out. I thought they were the best team at one point when I was about five or six. Obviously, you live, you, live, you learn, and you grow, and you realize Goose. That, <laughs> Goose and Brian, Brian Finity, uh, local local legend, right? Yeah. Um, but, no, I do have a few U.S. soccer jerseys. I think I have the U.S. soccer shorts. Um, the Tony Miola days. I do I do love, love myself some Tony Miola. Um, you know, going into Clint Dempsey, uh, I think he was one of the last really, really exciting uh, USA soccer players. Um, I've been a part of uh, back when they had some of the games at Colada in Livonia. We had some really, really good USA watch parties. So that was something exciting to be a part of. Uh, 2010 World Cup to 2014 World Cup. Some of those runs were fantastic. Um, that one where they went up against a, a, a very um, – uh, well-balanced or, or possibly one of the best Belgian teams we've ever seen. Um, that was one that we, it was just, it was, we couldn't quite, you know, we didn't have the same firepower as Belgium. And that was, I believe, 2014, um, mm. which now if you think about it, I mean, they were just, I think De Bruyne, Lukaku, they had, they had some great, great rosters there. Um, fast forward, um, I, I've never really been a Landon Donovan guy. Obviously, he might might have been one of the best of in our history. Um, I've just never been a big fan of his. Um, but but going forward into this current roster, I think they did a really poor job picking out who their starting eleven should be and who who should be on this roster. Jordan Morris, I don't have any time today for him. Um, I I, I won't start him at Livonia Schoolcraft's team, um, and that's a real hot take, but. Um, Ricardo Pepe, Ricardo Pepe, he's been on fire scoring in, I believe it's the Bundesliga. Um, and he's, he's not, in, uh, I, he's in, uh, Holland. Pepe. It's Holland. It's the Dutch league. Okay. Yeah. So he's, but he's been scoring like almost, yeah. I think every once every 90 minutes, 91 minutes. And they didn't bring him to, uh, Qatar and, uh, Christian Pulisic, uh, fantastic player. Um, he's probably, we, we might've seen him in his last game at Chelsea, but, um, I'm hoping they're going to ride the Christian Pulisic wagon because it seems like that's all that that's the you know maybe an American miracle will happen. But I myself, I don't see him getting out of the first round. Um, how about you, what do you think? <laughs> uh, American team. So I I think that uh, I'm pretty back and forth. Uh, I'm kind of I, I got to say that I wasn't looking forward to the USA England matchup because I'm, I'm a dual citizen. I'm American and English and going through the England versus USA in 2010 was kind of intense because I was with that at a big watch party and I was the only like somewhat British guy. So that was like a pretty intense uh, thing. 
So I wasn't looking forward to them coming back again. But as far as the American team specifically, I actually think uh, of the players that are available and in, and in form, I think for the most part, uh, Greg Berhalter got it right. Um, I thought it was interesting. Like, it seems like I, I wasn't a fan of his at his appointment, obviously. I didn't like the way he was hired. But it seems like every time where he's, like, up against the wall and things kind of look like they're fraying and falling apart, he against all better judgment, he makes a good decision. And it seems like over the course of his tenure, he's been kind of pushed to where it looked like he was falling apart and then he made a good decision. And there was a, a handful of players coming into the roster selection time where it seemed like he didn't want to, like Tim Ream, and then uh, the player that they pulled back, the striker, I'm forgetting his name right now, that they pulled that that uh, plays in Turkey right now, that kind of played in, uh, got the, the place instead of Pepe or Pifak. Um, he was on the youth teams with uh, Sargent and Pulisic in them, but uh, he hasn't really involved in the um, qualification. And I thought he was an interesting selection. Uh, hopefully you're looking that up for me. The The player, he's in Turkey. He's one of the, the forwards selected in the pool. But I think uh, it's exciting that Adams and Aronson are playing together at Leeds. I like um, teammates playing together from club. But the, the player, Tim Ream, getting selected. In times past, I've definitely gone like a pendulum back and forth on Tim Ream. But with the way he's played and in the injuries and the lack of depth at center back, I think that uh, you adjust the way you play to get Tim Rim in over some like some pretty non-international types that are in the pool right now because of injuries and a thin depth at center back for the Americans. So I'm kind of uh, somewhat excited to see if uh, the Anthony Robinson and Tim Rim uh, combo can give that patchwork center back kind of a boost there. So I think the the USA's assets are all on the outside. They have good wingers, good outside like fullbacks. Um, Adams can do some shuttling back and forth to protect the back line a bit, but uh, up the middle, I'm not so sure. Uh, Sargent looks good at moments, but not consistently, as does most of the forwards. So it's hard to say. I think they got in a hard group. I don't think USA will... I almost want to do a USA versus England post-mortem because I think <laughs> that game could get really out of hand, especially if, if England um, kind of figured them out early. I think they could really get exposed uh, against England. That, I'm not necessarily saying that it will go bad, but has the potential to really go bad against England. So I think that first game against Wales is the big toss-up. Uh, I, we both have a friend in common who's Welsh. He he claims that is his the biggest game of his life, the USA versus Wales, because this is the first time they've been in the World Cup since like 1950. So USA versus Wales, to be clear, that's USA's first game. And I think that's key to the whole shebang. They have to win that, maybe get a result, and then get a result. The third game is against um, Iran. And so basically... They have to get three points from the first game and at least a point from the next two games to get through, I think. Right. And uh, so it really going to ride on uh, the Wales uh, game. So it'll be Wales and then England on Black Friday. I have plans for that. I know that uh, there's a few different watch parties going on at soccer bars around Metro Detroit. 
Which, uh, which um, are you, you planning see? on going to any of the, I know D- Detroit uh, City Fieldhouse has some for at least the USA games. I'm going to an Oakland County FC uh, event in Birmingham for the Black Friday game. But Where will, uh, that, where will that be held at in uh, Birmingham? Oh, you're going to put me on the spot with facts. Is it is and, it private uh, or is it open to the public? It's a donation to charity, but okay. open. That's cool. Well, yeah, we'll have to revisit that. Sounds good. And then uh, I just saw this morning or this evening, I saw Livonia City is hosting. Um, they have a partnership over at Supernatural Brewing in Livonia, and they're going to do a buffet. And they, um, I don't know if it comes with one beer or not, uh, but it's around thirteen dollars. And so they had limited availability. Um, I got to work. I got to. I got to pay these. I got to. I got to pay for the soccer packages or. Uh, the eight channels that I, I do and don't watch uh, for all the soccer channels. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. I'll try to keep, maybe you can text me with some updates of how the games are going. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is it is going to be throughout daytime hours, this tournament. So usually in the summer. So I, that's one of the things that I wanted to discuss is it's four and a half years since the last world cup. And usually it's in the summer and because of, Obvious things like trying to play a soccer event in the desert. You can't do it in the summer. So they pushed it back. So it's put a lot of teams in a weird place. Like, let's talk about the tournament itself. So we have our our six favorites. I only really think that two or three are actual favorites to win. Um, a lot of teams aren't in good form right now. They kind of usually, they'll, when the tournament's in the summer, they'll finish their club seasons in the spring, have like two or three weeks, have a couple of build-up games, plenty of weeks at camp, and then they start. But here, they're coming in. Most of the teams just played at the weekend, and then I think the, the opening of the tournament is next Sunday, next weekend on the 19th. And so that's less than a week from coming from all over the world, flying into Qatar to play uh, within just a few days. So the whole scenario is different. A lot of the European teams aren't on a good run. England's not a good run. Germany's been so-so. Spain is kind of refiguring out what they are. They're not the dominant force they once were. Obviously are stacked and could presumably put it together, um, but I don't have them on my list. I think, uh, do, what do we want to do? Do we want to do our six favorites or do we want to pick our uh, things we want to see first? You you could choose either one. I, I want to say I want to say something about the um, you know the timing of of this World Cup. I think that you're going to see, I think you're going to see three, at least three injuries per team, and whether it happens during this World Cup or shortly after they get back to their clubs, um, they're trying to jump back right into the league games and then the Champions League. I, I don't think this is going to be good for the sport of the soccer. Um, I think it's going to get a little messy. And, and that wasn't a, that wasn't a pun, um, but yeah, I think that you're going to see some significant injuries because it's just it's too much. The, the travel, uh, the amount of games. Uh, I don't know what the typical break is a month in between season and and pre- kind of preparing for the World Cup. But this is crazy. This is um, unprecedented. There's no reason. The whole reason they're doing this is is to try to avoid the heat. And what's the temperature going to be? Is it still 90 degrees? It's still going to be crazy hot. It's still going to be at least like 100. It's a bad business plan all around. If you take out, take keep keep the corruption and it's still bad. Or take out the corruption, it's still a terrible business plan. But yeah, the six teams, 
Um, I don't know if you want to go one for one or if you want to go all six at once. I don't know what the best way to do this is, but, um, you know, in our, our kind of pre-conversation, I, I I told Rob there's only six teams that have a fine shot of, of winning this World Cup and the rest are all garbage. So I guess before we get to our list, so neither of us uh, – okay, let's, let's keep it USA-centric for just one more second. Yeah. If we're going to get to our winners in a minute, where do we think uh, USA is going to make it this year? I think USA is going hot take. I think you will not see USA out of their group. I'm going Wales and uh, and, and uh, England out of that first first group. That's that's could be realistic. Um, I'm gonna say uh, they do scrape by on the last game. They get like a point, get the second spot, and then. Um, be humbled in the first knockout round is my prediction. It'll be just enough to hit that, that uh, good enough, but it, I don't think it's going to wow anybody. And it's a little bit cliche at this point, because we've been saying it for about four years. And I really do think it, it's kind of wild when you're speaking in four year intervals, like you got to say, like, we don't have any veterans. There was a lost generation, like, you know, our favorites, like the Clint Dempsey's and whatnot, aged out long ago, and there wasn't anyone to fill in. So basically, we have the young generation with no, not a lot of uh, experience in between. So it's a little bit much to, or fanciful to think that the youngest team to qualify is, you know, a front runner. I will say I do have mad love for Serginio Dash. He's a fellow uh, Barcelona man. Um, now he's on AC Milan, but um, I do like the way that that the youngster plays. Um, and then Gio Reyna, obviously, he's fantastic. Um, I kind of question on how healthy he is. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he's um, able to, you know, keep healthy for the four games here. And um, yeah, maybe who knows? Maybe maybe I'm wrong about all this. Maybe Gio and uh, Christian can pull it together, and then our uh, our good old boy uh, Western McKinney. You know, maybe he can uh, maybe start playing just a little bit tougher. This is kind of a callback because you made this uh, hot take a while back, but you took um, some shots at Jordan Morris. Yeah, if they keep uh, Jordan, if they keep Jordan Morris on the bench, it'd probably be great for the team. Uh, yeah, well, the the one upsell I've heard of him is he has a more straight line speed than than anyone else in the roster, and that's that was part of his inclusion. But I, just, I don't know if he's very fit. He's had a lot of bad injuries. For me, I just don't think the U.S. brand or way they approach the game, it doesn't quite fit to be competitive against the rest of the world. It's it's okay once in a while against Mexico, and it's okay against Honduras once in a while. But against France, Italy, I mean, Italy's not in this World Cup, so that's, that's an anomaly. But against a real team, they're, just, they're always going to struggle, I think, the way that they're currently playing. All right, so we're going to kind of paint the picture of where we think that you said there's there's six teams. I, I think how about we that. how about we get our scissors out we chop off those bottom two and so we pick our final four quarterfinalists or our semifinals or final four. Let's do it. So getting the chopping block off mine, my fifth and sixth, I'm chopping them off Holland and Argentina. Mine they're out. Okay. Uh, so we're going to trim. Oh man, this is tough. All right. I'm going to trim. I had Uruguay, which is a crazy pick and I had France. So I'm going to take them out. So I got four left. Did Suarez uh, make the Uruguay team? 
I think so. I don't know for for a fact, but I don't know if Cavani's on the team. But they got they got Cavani is on the team. They got some great. They're I like the way they play, and and from being South America, um, they just have a very incredible brand. Um, when they when they show up to the World Cup, they they play as a great team, and there's always one or two uh, superstars. I think the way they get they got the Liverpool guy right, uh, Nunez. Oh yeah, he scored yeah. two goals this last yeah. weekend. He's looking pretty sharp. He's got he has the fastest sprint in the Premier League this this uh, let's, year. Let's uh, let's go bold and let's uh, let's make him the potential player of the tournament. Let's go Nunez. Darwin Nunez, player of the tournament. That's bold. That's bold. That's a bold yeah. one. I've actually always had a, like a little bit of a soft spot for soft spot for Uruguay just because there's a very limited number of teams that have actually won the World Cup. Was it four or five different teams? And they're one of them. So that's kind of a, a hidden gem to know. They won back in the day. They beat Brazil in a very famous game in Brazil, if I if I have my history right. And I, I'm a Liverpool guy, so I'm a huge Luis Suarez. And one of my favorite goals from World Cup came from Suarez and Cavani. I can't remember if it was in the 2018 or the 2014 World Cup, but it was essentially a half field length one, two. And Cavani hit like a 40 yard, like arc uh, ball all the way to the top of the screen to Suarez, who then hit the the following run from Cavani, who'd run from half field. So it was one all the way across the field, two, and a one-time finish into the back of the net. Uh, so it was like a one-two that went all the way across half of the field. I, I loved that goal. What are some just like one-off memories that that you like from World Cup's well, past? I absolutely love Edison Cavani. He's one of my all-time favorite soccer players. I wear, I usually wear a headband or a whatever the heck that's called, hair tie headband thing. And it's sweatband. Honestly, it's because not sweatband, like the little one that, that kind of holds like the, the baby hairs back. That's that's strictly because of Edison Cavani. Um, and I'm a little bit weird because of that, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but no favorite memories. I mean, you can always go back to that. Uh, you know, I've watched some of the World Cup games with um, some of my Brazilian friends, and I remember being there watching the. Uh, I, I love the ne- Netherlands before this game, and van Persie and uh who was the other famous uh robin i i thought they were fantastic i had a dutch friend in college had some jerseys i was a big fan of the dutch and this game put the sourest taste in my mouth uh for the dutch team and it wasn't it wasn't fair just it was just a game but they played like absolute jerks they they were flopping it was bad i can't remember if there was a yellow or if there's probably 16 yellows but I don't remember if there's any reds or not, but um, I remember in that World Cup, I believe it was a 2010, uh, Van Persie had that one where he scored and did the worm with the header, and that was that was a true. That was one of the best goals ever. Yeah, I don't know how he didn't break his back. I know he uh, he shortly exited um, playing professional soccer about four, three, three or four seasons after that. So maybe that was part of it. Maybe maybe hurt his back. I don't know, but no, I've had some really good memories. Um, to be honest, I think. Just watching it with groups of people, watching soccer and, you know, just large groups is always a really memorable experience. Um, so I remember being at the Colada with the U.S. Um, you know, I think I watched Argentina, uh, Germany at the Colada. That was the final. Germany pulled away with, uh, I think it was Mario Goza. How do you say his last name? Goza. Goza, yeah. My German's a little rusty. 
Um, I love, I've always loved, um, you know, when Spain won, I absolutely love the way Spain, Spain won. I felt like they did it the right way. Just beautiful, beautiful soccer to watch flowing, um, a little Jaga Bonita, a little, a little back and forth. Um, you know, at, at that time, that might've been the best team ever created. I think with the, what was it? Uh, Spain and what year was it? 2000 and let's see. So we're 2022 now. What, what year did Spain win? 2010. 2010. Okay. I, it's been, been a few years, but that was, um, that was really enjoyable. Who, who did Spain beat? Do you remember that? Oh, in the final? Was uh, it wasn't Netherlands. I, I think it was Holland. It was Netherlands? Okay. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You, you're, you're fact checking me like crazy here. <laughs> um, I remember watching, so for France, uh, France and Croatia, um, I would say, so if you, if you rewind to the last World Cup, I would say Croatia was like the, the big surprise there. And, and they had a really nice, um, they had a nice brand of football. Um, I think France was just too, too powerful with Benzema, with Griezmann, um, their mids, their defense. I think they were just way, um, I think was it Hugo Lloris? He's the goalie. Um, yeah, France was, was, was definitely the, uh, the kings of the last tournament there. Yeah, I'm looking at my list uh, of teams I'm considering contenders for the semifinals, and uh, I'm having to cross one out because uh, France is like a sleeping giant in my mind. Like they are so deep, but they have to have kind of all their stars aligned and all the personalities come together and be coached in the in the same direction. Because they are, I I think they're they probably have the they got to have the biggest talent pool in the world. Like, right. I think you could make three teams of French uh, players that early. Um, So, but like there's some fitness concerns on a lot of the, the big players though, but they still have plenty of good ones. They, they go hot and cold. I mean, even when they won the world cup, they didn't really blow anyone away. They just did enough. Uh, strangely enough, no, with all the firepower that they had, I think they only had one game where they really got more than two goals, I think. But um, it's funny how I think I'm kind of dancing around talking about this new edition <laughs> so much because I, I feel so conflicted about it. Like we're 30 minutes in and we haven't really talked about the actual tournament. Uh, yeah, I'm dancing around it. Like the, it's making it tough. Uh, one of my favorite events that I look forward to like every four years um, is so compromised ethically on so many different fronts that it's very conflicted. One of my favorite things to look forward to is, is it's very hard to kind of justify it at this point. I'm going to be honest here. Right. I think, uh, our friend, Nate journalist, I think he had mentioned that his, his German friend had mentioned they, he was because of the way the tournament was co- uh, composed this year, that he was only going to be watching the German games. And, um, he won't even watch any of the other games. So I said, okay, that's, that sounds good. It doesn't sound like he's going to be watching the championship. So I thought that was a pretty good one, but. Unless the, oh, they're not going to be in there. He's not going to watch the final because Germany's not going to make it. Yeah. That's a little dig there. I mean, you could definitely direct that towards uh, an American fan. I don't think they're going to make it to the final, but I mean, youthful exuberance might be one thing, but final four, I'll say this, another actual soccer related thing that, I just want to have a bone to pick is I really don't like the two yellow cards equals the suspension rule within a major tournament. For missing yeah, because if you get 
yellow cards in back-to-back games, you miss the next game. And I never understood. These are the games that these players have been working for their whole lives. And you can get a yellow card for taking your shirt off in celebration. And so that plus like a, 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 a foul of the next game. Like why would two things that don't get you kicked out of a game and two separate games get you kicked out of a whole nother game? And it seems to be kind of underdogs seem to get a lot of, um, they tend to have more players suspended in the semifinal. That's if we're going to do hot take conspiracies, I'll match yours is in the quarterfinals, they tend to get yellow cards to to players. And I, it seems like uh, like Uruguay, when they made the semifinals, they, they had a couple key figures out. And that's a pattern that I've kind of That'd be... tacked on to over the years. That's an interesting question or interesting thing to think about. Do you think we'll see a bogus red, red or yellow, multiple multitude of yellows in this tournament? Do you think there's going to be a game that's just like, what was that? Like, why was that a red card? Yeah, there is usually. That's a good shout because there usually is at least like one per tournament where like a guy will be get a bizarre red. Because I remember Pepe for Portugal and one of the World Cups. Like the very like within the first half of the first game, he got a straight red card. Against Germany, I believe. Yeah, will we see a bogus red card? Yeah, I think that we could see some funny business in the refereeing decisions uh, in the Qatar games. I wouldn't be surprised. Will anyone get bit or headbutted in this tournament? I don't think we'll see any biting or headbutting, but I definitely could see some dicey red cards or like a phantom like VAR decisions. Because there's going to be like automated VAR or something like that in this one. How many people will get carted off in the Darth Vader uh, death cart? The orange is going to be sled. Darth Vader death cart. <laughs> the, the orange sled that comes out, where it takes about eight people to lift one 150-pound soccer player. That was probably the highlight of qualifying. There was a USA qualifying game where they had like children doing the, uh, like the the, the stretcher carrying, and it was kind of clumsy. They, were, they had like six 13-year-old girls trying to carry these grown men on. Stretchers they, and stuff that was kind of amusing, but uh, wonder what the registration was there. Did they win a contest? Like, yeah, they, that was something else. So, <laughs> we think there's only a few true contenders, and I'll say this with the timing of the tournament, a lot of the national teams, like the kind of powerhouse, seem to be on a, like a, a little bit of a lull of form. Like, England in the summer, I would have put them in the contenders, but it seems like. Now that it being in the middle of the season, they picked up some key injuries to some key English players. I think that their status, uh, I mean, they've been, you know, they, they were World Cup finalists last time. Uh, or was it semis? They, yeah, they lost to Croatia in the semis. And then they made it to the Euro final and crashed out penalties. So they were right there, but I think they might have dipped. So I think they might have fallen. They'll definitely get out of the group stage. They should finish first in the group against USA. Um, but... I have as my final four, and then also speaking of Euro teams that are down, I think Germany's in a little bit of a weird patch. They don't quite know what they are. Spain haven't figured themselves out. No Italy there. Um, Holland are usually, I heard them compared to the Buffalo Bills on another show, <laughs> um, that uh, they, 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 they get right there, but they never seem to win. So I think that this is a, 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 a tournament ripe for the picking for uh, a South American team. So I'll go with uh, my, my my top of the list for my, my number one favorite for this 2022 controversy-laden World Cup. I'm going, this is Brazil's. All right. 
and that's tough because I I don't know if I've really picked out a winner yet. I just thought it was going to be one of these four teams, but um, I, I would really love to see Argentina win it. Um, I don't know if they're going to win it, but that that's who I would pick for this this tournament, and that would be uh, I don't know, could be conspiracy led, could be some of the best soccer you've ever seen, but um, that's who I kind of got taking the whole thing, and then uh, I have three other teams that I I really feel have a great chance to, uh, to you know, in contention. Um, my second team, even though I'm a little bit down on them, I'm saying Germany. And I guess that might be just uh, out of uh, familiarity. They might they had a bad uh, 2018 World Cup, but I think they, they might get into the semifinals this time around. So my second is Portugal. And, um, you know, conspiracy-led, I love – I think it was about, <laughs> about 10 months ago, I thought Portugal had a brilliant team. They've since taken four steps back. I'm not sure what has happened, um, but they're immensely talented. Uh, I think about two years ago, I thought Joe Felix was going to be one of the best players that we've ever seen. Um, now he's struggling to find field time uh, with Atletico Madrid. He's only been playing 20 to 40 minutes a game. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I, I really think, Portugal, Argentina are going to have a mysteriously great tournament and really, I guess you can't really say shock people because they have two of the best players ever. However, I think, you know, the Frances and the Germanys, I don't think they're going to make those deep pushes that they really do this year. Uh, I'm kind of going chalk. I'm even going against myself a little bit. I'm putting England as my third team. Is it coming home? Uh, I'm like I said, it's a contradictory pick. I guess my my, my reason rational. I think that they're they're not gonna make it to the final four. I think they might go out, but they've they've been really good the last few major tournaments and have gotten to the final four the last two. So I can't go against them. So I guess I'll go England against all better rationale. All right. Well, my next pick. You want do you want to hear my South American pick or do you want to hear my European pick? How many have we done so far? I've done three, and you've done yeah. two. So this is going to be my third. Which one do you want? You want South America? South, South America. American. South America is obvious. It's Brazil. Um, they're loaded. They probably also could have three to four to five teams. Um, I just saw that they left out. Um, uh, who is their guy from? Oh, my God. Uh, Firmino, Bobby Firmino got left out of the roster. Uh, Firmino is one of my favorite players. Um, he's older. However, he's... He's clutch, man. He's great for goals, great for setting things up. I would have loved to see Firmino there with the Brazil roster. Um, this is going to be a Neymar-led team. We will see if he Neymar rolls his way out of the World Cup, literally. Um, if he does anything silly or stupid, or if he's, he, there's a chance he can go on and score maybe 10, 12 goals this tournament um, because he's Neymar, and that's what he does. He does one or the other, and some people love him. Most people hate him. Um, still a fun player to watch. Um, I've always loved the Brazilians, the way they play, the way they, they let the ball free flow throughout the field, uh, nutmegging people, um, and, and they're immensely talented at what they do. Uh, I agree with you with Firmino, but in a little bit of a selfish way, I'm a Liverpool guy, so I'm kind of glad he gets to rest up and be charged for uh, the second half of the club season. Same with Salah, selfishly, is at home recovering now but yeah i mean if you have a, a national team 
and you don't select Firmino, I mean, you're stacked. And I was going to say, here's another one of these questions for the future. We're talking about controversies. Will Neymar be a meme machine this time around? I think for sure you can always put Neymar <laughs> in a healthy meme and, and people get a kick out of it. It might even be a stupid hair that he shows up with. Um, I got a stupid haircut yesterday. It kind of looks like a bad Latero Martinez haircut. I'm not sure what what went wrong. I went to a, uh, a barber shop out in Sterling Heights yesterday, and I'm not too happy with it. But, yeah, I think oh, Neymar, Neymar is a meme machine. I think uh, – <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do this this time around, but I could see something something funny happening for sure. Yeah, I remember some of the hilarious ones where he did the, like the ten barrel rolls off the side of the field. It's so good, and then, like obviously that that was some some quality Twitter when people were making him like roll across the galaxy and stuff Neymar, like that. Neymar in space is just it's and that was really that was when everyone everyone didn't hate him before that, and he rolled too many times, and uh, that was it, and everyone just thought he was. Yeah. That was all he could do. Yeah, don't do it. Never do a full dozen. Never do a full dozen rolls. You'll you'll fall right off. Because there was everyone had like, yeah, he's a bit dramatic to like, yeah. Public opinion of Neymar definitely went down after that that last World Cup uh, turnabout. I'll tell you what would be brilliant and, and really interesting, and people would actually have to. And, and Neymar is completely capable of doing this. Neymar could play this World Cup and probably get twelve or thirteen assists if he really wanted to, and and just. He's that smart and that that talented of a player. Um, if he did something like that, you know, let's say he scored two, three goals and then just somehow had all these amazing assists for some tap-ins, that would be interesting. I wonder if people would kind of bring that respect value back because uh, his skill set is it's unbelievable. It's just a matter of if he has the right attitude, um, the right drive to really take it seriously and want to win, you know, want to win the World Cup. I know he – he just seems a little immature, and, and I think that's where, where a little bit of the disrespect comes in with his game. Yeah, you're probably right there. And, I mean, if we're gonna, if we're willing to be publicly forgiving of any super person, it seems like a goal-scoring athlete is someone people can definitely uh, turn their favor. If he has a great thing and he's not too – what's the word? Uh, Flamboyant? Maybe uh Oh no, flamboyant is fun is when uh when uh you're I don't know. I'm I'm not finding the words but uh, pedantic maybe is yeah. the word I'm looking for or just uh uh a little bit uh, negative in his uh over dramaticness what he kind of makes himself center stage but when he's plays as a member of the team he's you know one of the world's best but when he's just trying to like he's on a personal show you think Neymar sidetracked because there were some games where it was too much Neymar and they weren't bringing in the other ten brilliant players that were on the field. You know, right? I I personally think Brazil would be better off this World Cup without Neymar. Um, that's pretty tough. I know you you, you uh, rewind. I, I tell you what, I, I used to absolutely love Brazil because of Ronaldinho and uh, I believe it was the 2010 roster. They had Kaká in the roster, but they left Ronaldinho at home. And I've been bitter ever since. I, I've kind of haven't looked at the sport the same, haven't enjoyed the sport the same because of because that coach uh, leaving Ronaldinho at home. So he's he's really the, the reason I fell in love with the game. So. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, yeah, I think we were definitely on the mutual respect wagon for uh, the Brazilian side, and then so I've actually crossed out three different teams for my fourth. Uh, semi-finalist. I had Denmark scratched them out. Had France scratched them out. I already cut off Holland, Argentina, Portugal. I could go complete random. This is almost just my uh, shot in the dark. 
and we're gonna go beyond all those front runners. That Saudi Arabia is the finalist. Okay, so now it's waving. Did is is Sadio Mane injured? No, I think he's ready to go. I think he. Oh. Did he what do you have? An ankle sprain? Or is he... I know there was a there was an injury scare because I was gonna throw in uh, an African semifinalist as a shot in the dark. Because I would love for them to happen, but because I mean Senegal lost on uh, sportsmanship points. They lo- went out in the group because they uh, had more yellow cards than the other team. Like it was like the next, um, what do you call it? Uh, the next, <laughs> the next thing to be judged by. Yeah, because they had the same goal difference, same points, and a tiebreaker. The next tiebreaker was like yellow cards, and Senegal had like one yellow card more than I think Japan. And so Japan went on. Um, so I'm having a really hard time picking this fourth team. So I'm being very contradictory. I'm going with Argentina. I'm bringing them back from the dead. So my four right. semifinalists are Brazil, Germany, England, and Argentina. Or how about okay. instead of that, so we don't get called out on bracket stuff, yeah. we'll just say our first top four favorite teams. Yep, yep, so I'm going yeah. Brazil, Germany, England as my four favorite teams. Yeah, my four favorites are Brazil, uh, in no particular order, Brazil, Argentina, Portugal, and the last one with the drum roll team from Europe. It's, it's close to France. It's Belgium. I think uh, ah. I really like the way they played last last few World Cups. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, anything is possible. That guy is, uh, that guy is a magician. Um, Lukaku, I don't know how healthy he is. I haven't been watching a lot of Inter Milan these days. Um, but I'm assuming, assuming he's ready to go. Um, but I like the way that they build their teams and are, and they're very well coached and it seems like they, they are very capable of always getting out of their, uh, whether they have a death pool or, or, or not, they're always capable of getting out and, and making a deep run in the tournament. That's a definitely a really good shout. Actually, now that we've been talking it out, I feel like there's more good teams than we were, uh, given credit for, um, we listed off quite a few really good ones. Uh, one of my favorite moments of the Russian World Cup was from Belgium when uh, the Brazil versus or Belgium versus Japan game, where I they came that back. That was one of my that. favorite ones, and uh, there was a late game counterattack from Belgium when Kevin De Bruyne out to the right wing, the uh, the player on the right wing for Belgium crossed it into Lukaku who. Made the dummy. He let it roll past him for a tap-in on the back post to win the game. I think that was a quarterfinal last time around. And uh, that was one of the things that I liked Lukaku just fine. But uh, once he pulled that dummy, you know, that's a lot of nerve for the ball to come to you on the edge of, like, the six-yard box at the end of the game to, like, make a magnificent comeback in a knockout game for then to have the gumption to leave it for your teammate behind you to, to pass it. And I always thought that was a pretty incredible goal. I felt very, very bad for the Japan team that year. They, they tried so hard. They did. They, they put they threw the kitchen sink at uh, in the tournament and making that run and push. They're playing. They were playing awesome. They were a lot of fun to see. And then and Belgium broke their hearts in the, uh, the final seconds there. But I remember listening to that game. I was in my work van. And I think I had it plugged into the stereo and I'm listening. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, oh my God, it's a Belgian miracle. So that was pretty um that was pretty epic. All right. So the next time uh we come back here on the Michigan Soccer Central podcast, the World Cup 
um, will have kicked off because it starts on Sunday, November 20th, uh, 11 a.m. here on uh, Michigan time. And then uh, on Monday, uh, it's Senegal, Netherlands, and then on uh, USA and England's group starts on Monday as well. Um, England early, England, Iran, 8 a.m. on that Monday. And then USA's first game in the World Cup for eight years. And the Wales's first game in the World Cup for about 60 is Monday the 21st at 2 o'clock. So as, how many people are going to be trying to sneak out of work early there? Not me. I got to work. <laughs> My boss is listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's a pretty. Which day is that? On? It's a. It's for a Monday. Monday the twenty first, two o'clock. Two o'clock. So you got after lunch. I mean, who's really doing anything in the Yeah, office? you got to go. You got to go to lunch early, but then just not go back, right? Take a yeah, <laughs> Take, yeah. Work a hybrid schedule that day. Just remember, you don't want to be there. So to reference earlier, we're talking about local watch parties uh, for the second game of USA's World Cup campaign. I'm going to be out at Slice and Sidecar in Birmingham. Um, and it's donations. Uh, there's an, an RSVP and donations go to, uh, I believe, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. That place is really nice, Rob. I went there last yeah. Monday night. And um, they're open to, like, they're one of the few places in Metro Detroit where you can get late night food. Um, I have bad habits and I eat late, but... You can go in there, I think, until 1 or 2 in the morning and get some grub if you've had a, a few cocktails in downtown Birmingham. And you can um, stop over there and, and they'll take good care of you. I haven't been out and about in Birmingham in quite some time. so And I'm always open to uh, pizza by the slice places. I didn't know that there was a late night spot that direction. I haven't had the pizza yet. I, I'm trying to think if... So there's you walk into the place and I think pizza might be on the left and then the sidecar... Burger Bar is on the right, and that's where I went. They were open still. And I had a salmon slider, and I had a BLT slider, I think, with an egg. And the egg one was good. The salmon was eh, questionable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to do a little bit more review and uh, dig a little deeper and see uh, what kind of uh, watch parties are going on beyond the few that we've referenced here. And in the final segment, and I think on the Michigan Soccer Central Handles, we'll uh, – throw out or retweet any uh, watch party information. So folks in Michigan and in, you know, most of us here are in Southeast Michigan, but anyone listening that has a watch party or a public uh, event for any of these games, uh, shoot a DM or a retweet or something at Michigan soccer central. Uh, so before we go, Chris, what's one thing that you hope to see in this world cup? Only one. I want to see a phenomenal bicycle kick by a sleeper youngster. That's what I want to see. A sleeper youngster bicycle kick. That's a very good specific one. Yeah, it's not uh, too bad. should happen. I hope that Pulisic has at least one, like, he's the man type of moment. Like, I want him to get a winner in that game against Iran or something like that. I hope he gets his moment to shine because I feel like he's been somewhat, like, semi-tortured uh, when he wears the USA shirt since uh, the 2018 team 
because I think that he maybe would have been even more famous than he is had he been able to go to the World Cup as a young 18-year-old uh, four years ago. So I hope that he he has a star turn moment at least, hopefully for a full tournament, but at least one moment where you know he's in the highlight reel across the globe for you know a, ga- a cycle of games. Yeah, that's interesting. If he has a good World Cup, Chelsea delegates him somewhere. I wonder if he could stay in the Premier League or end up in like the Italian League, um, or where he might might end up. You know, because of that. I have a sneaky feeling he might end up in Italy. Yeah, like a just just based on like maybe because because of Italy has been loan heavy. Like they'll they'll take it seems like the last few years the business model for those big teams on the Italian League is to kind of you know take half the salary of an unwanted. Uh, squad player from the big, big teams, right? And they usually do pretty well, right? I wonder what team that's. He's gonna end up on Fiorentina. No, I, I bet it would be uh, Juventus or uh, one of the Milan sides. I bet, right? I think I if he was going to go to Fiorentina, I think he would go sooner to like um, a, a middle. Premier League team, I think he'd right. go there sooner than a middle Italian team. If it was one of like the top Italian teams, maybe, but I think he would more likely, you know, you know, it'd be pretty sexy to see him on Leeds. I watched the Leeds game yesterday, and uh, and that was actually one of my first or second times seeing Aronson actually do what he does. He looked pretty good. Yeah, um, he's impressive. But- he he's like a spark plug sort of energizer buddy type, and that's good. I think in a tournament that could be good. Right, but no, it'd be fun to see. Um, I, I it's gonna happen. Pulisic is not is no longer a Chelsea player after today. I don't think he got replaced by an eighteen year old. That's disrespectful. Um, I think Pulisic has scored enough goals at Chelsea that he he deserves to have a chance, and they should have committed a little bit more time. And, and Chelsea doesn't know what they're doing. They're not even winning. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're gonna see Pulisic. Um, hopefully he has a great World Cup. Uh. Hopefully I'm wrong about US. Hopefully they're out of the out of the first group and into the next. And and um, you know, who knows what can happen after that. Um but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait for the World Cup. It's uh you know, I'm gonna pretend like it's not in guitar and, and just watch the games. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about where we're at. Um I'll be checking in with you as we go. My good friend in soccer, Chris Rosin, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on Michigan Soccer Central Podcast to just shoot the breeze about, uh, you know, this little thing we call the World Cup. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Almost wrapped up this episode of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Thank you for listening through another episode of this show. This week's Team of the Week is Liverpool's Heartland 2010 Girls Academy. They are this week's Michigan Soccer Central. We are Soccer Team of the Week. Incredible achievements and the first team, uh, I think first or only team 
uh, from Liverpool that qualified for the National League. So Coach Dan Price, congratulations and uh, success. Um, You are this week's Michigan Soccer Central. We are Soccer Team of the Week. If you want your team nominated for Team of the Week, send a direct message to Michigan Soccer Central or We Are Soccer's social media handles, and we get a couple nominations, and we talk it out between each other internally to choose a a nomination that either had a fantastic performance on the field or did something notable and honorable off the field. You'll be thrown into the mix for selection of Team of the Week. Thank you so much for that nomination, and it's excellent to see... uh, some success the liverpool heartland 2010 girls academy and kudos to goalkeeper and uh michigander steve clark uh longtime professional oakland university golden grizzly he's being honored at the mihssa uh banquet going on later on this week on the 19th being inducted into the hall of fame so kudos a great Michigan pro. So this time next week, the World Cup will be underway. So I'm going to do my best to get uh, local reactions of uh, the game's biggest events and try to get some Michigan pros to come on and talk about their World Cup watching uh, exploits as well so thank you to jenny hajnaki for editing the program as always (laughs) this one uh probably was a handful thank you to the michigan soccer central core team and of course the listeners and all the guests and if you enjoy this program be sure to check out the huge backlog i think 80 plus episodes on spotify and all the other audio platforms and as well as on the Michigan Soccer Central YouTube channel. So until next time, we're going to be in a World Cup this time next week. So until then, everybody, enjoy your soccer.